0: In today's Maximize Your Medicare podcast, a look at surprise medical bills, especially in the era of COVID-19, along with a deep dive on Medicare Part A. We begin in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare Podcast. My name is Jay O. I'm your host. I'm also the author of Maximize Your Medicare, Qualify for Benefits, Protect Your Health, and Minimize Your Costs. It's available everywhere. Check it out, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. Thank you so much to everyone who have helped make this book the best-selling Medicare book on Amazon, something I probably would have hoped for. But didn't expect. In today's podcast, the first segment is going to be about surprise medical bills. You know, this has gotten a lot of press over the past, you know, about two years or so. In the age of COVID 19, of course, this has gotten more mysterious and a very interesting article in the New York Times by a person, a journalist who I have not agreed with in the past and have pointed out certain uh, mis- mis- mistakes, I wouldn't call them mistakes, it was just oversights, I would say, and led me to give her the See Me After Class Award, which is something, a segment that I had created for the Maximizer Medicare newsletter. The second segment is going to be a deep dive onto Medicare Part A. And the reason for this is, you know, this is kind of a beginner's corner, but it's also a good revisit because what ends up happening is that people really actually misunderstand the original Medicare card, the Part A and Part B card. They're not quite sure what it covers, what it doesn't. So what ends up happening is they misunderstand the starting point from which you try to add either Medigap or Medicare Advantage. So you can understand what happens is people have the wrong starting point and then it put build on top of a flawed understanding. That isn't probably a great way to start. The other day in the New York Times, end of June, one called June 29th, there's an article that appeared in the New York Times and it's called two friends in Texas were tested for coronavirus. One bill was $199, the other 6 $1408. The article is written by Sarah Cliff who has been a healthcare journalist if you will for a long time uh, even though she's a young person but the fact of the matter is in the context of, you know, a couple of things. Number 1 is she used to work for a, a website called Vox, V-O-X vox.com. Uh, coming from a colleague who was started by a colleague from the New York Times called Ezra Klein. And while they're at Vox and where when Sarah Cliff was at Vox, I have been sharply critical of a couple of her articles because it defended the Affordable Care Act in ways that left out very, very important facts about the way the world actually worked. And the fact that you know, at no point in time, in a quite unapologetic way, you know, Ezra Klein has basically tried to defend the Affordable Care Act as if it were the greatest thing since sliced bread without being even-handed, without being even-handed on the very clear shortcomings of the Affordable Care Act and glossing over what has not worked. And, you know I'm not going to rehash not for today anyway I'm not going to rehash what I think about the affordable care act but the reality is is while it did has provided access to health insurance to many who would have otherwise been rejected because of the fact that it has no pre-existing conditions clause that many of the ideas that worked The many, I guess I should say, many of the proposed ideas of the Affordable Care Act and the supposed, you know, positive outcomes did not materialize. And, you know, the apologists, the supporters of the Affordable Care Act, the ones who were had their blind, you know, because blinders go on both ways, right? I mean, blinders could say, well, I hate the Affordable Care Act. It's no fair that the government, you know, requires us to buy insurance, et cetera, et cetera, to which my quick retort is, you know, the Affordable Care Act is a tax. Let's not dispute the government's, you know, rights to tax people. Uh, you don't have the right to not pay the tax for, against foreign policy, right? It's not like you get to send in a dollar, you know, for every bit of foreign policy you like and then also not pay pay taxes for the five dollars of foreign policy you don't like so you know immediately people who didn't understand that the affordable care act was a tax are wrong <laughs> they're wrong uh and then in addition to that the flip side is that oh well we're going to have these new co-ops and the exchange is going to drive down prices etc cetera, etc cetera, and that's going to be the counterbalancing fact to push down premiums for the general population of course that that did not materialize the co-ops could not work and then what you end up having today which is almost are there any i don't want to i don't want to say that i can name a single co-op that was created during the affordable care act that exists today so certain and, and reinsurance etc etc and we won't get into the technicals of the affordable care Act. let me just say that a lot of of the characteristics of the affordable care act also failed. So under the guise of being, you know, reporters, being, you know, even handed distributor of facts, that this is not what we got at vox.com. And Miss Cliff, she was guilty of this. And when this happened, I created something not only for this because this kind of distortion exists in healthcare health insurance, financial markets, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all over the place. I created a segment in the Maximize Your Medicare newsletter. You can subscribe at MaximizeYourMedicare.com. You can also see on the YouTube channel that I created a segment called See Me After Class where I'm revealing these distortions and saying, Hey, people, can you see the distortion that you're being fed and being, you know, you're being... Led down this path as if it's fact, but if you look and see what is being omitted, you may have a very, very different conclusion. And in fact, yes, Miss Cliff, she has been a recipient of the See Me After class award. Whew. Okay, that says now, now she has a new role. She's, you know, at the New York Times. And I have found that her articles have been far more even-handed, far more even-handed. And this one here, the one that I just mentioned, and the link is here on the podcast, is very, very interesting. And, you know, this is kind of one of her sweet spots, if you will, there where she's talking about surprise medical bills. This is something that she has used, the platform that and access that she has to the public to great effect and... You know, she gets my compliments. So I don't also want to pose myself as just to say, okay, well, everything about a particular person is bad. Eh, You know, I just, A, I don't believe that. And B, I also believe in giving credit where great credit is due. And in this, you know, this has been one of her projects over the past couple of years and she has pursued it. She has you know, tweeted about it, et cetera, et cetera. And she does derf, deserve credit for it because it does point, this article does point out certain things. And I'm going to read just, just a couple of clips uh, just to illustrate the point. Okay. And so the, here it is that, uh, you know, during the age of COVID, talking about two persons who got drive-through tests at Austin Emergency Center in Austin and that advertises a minimally evasive testing experience. They both recalled how uncomfortable it was to have the long nasal swab. Yuck. And then the test guy came with the, with the same result, negative, allowing the trip to go ahead, but the accompanying bills were quite different. The emergency room charged Mr. Harvey $199 in cash. Miss LeBlanc, or LeBlanc, who paid with insurance, was charged 6408 Quote, I assumed, like an idiot, it would be too cheaper to use my insurance than pay cash right there, Miss LeBlanc said. Ms. LeBlanc said, this is 32 times the cost of what my friend paid for the exact same thing. Okay, so let's start there. Health insurance um, negotiated the total bill down to $1,128. One, $1, the plan said she was responsible for $928 of that. Okay. So grabbing headlines I can understand, right? In other words, that the first bill looked like six thousand four hundred and eight dollars. But the reality is, is that this that she was actually charged nine hundred and twenty eight dollars. Okay, so her out of pocket costs, you know, Ms. LeBlanc's out of pocket costs were not six thousand four hundred dollars. They were nine hundred and twenty eight dollars, which is still more than four and a half times more than the $199 bills of Miss LeBlanc's friend. Let's call him Mr. Harvey in this article. That's what his name is in this article. Okay. So it's still four and a half times. So how can this happen? People don't understand the way this works, but basically, that hospitals and insurance companies set negotiated prices for everything. And on that, you know, that can be at a much higher rate than coming up to the counter and just paying and having no insurance. Does this exist? The answer to that is yes. And does, does it happen across the board? The answer to that is yes. Absolutely, this occurs. And I can tell you from my own experience, I've had a radiology, you know, service being done and it was Complicated, oh well, complicated in the sense that it used a complicated machine. And when I called, I call What I did is I called three different hospitals for the same, uh, you know, the same procedure, because I knew that it was just a scan, and I knew that it was going to go to, uh, you know, obviously a technologist for the reading of that scan. Those to me were commodity products, meaning that. There was not going to be a huge variance in, you know, the type of machine or the fact that, you know, I didn't had no idea of who the uh, technologist would be, who would, you know, interpret my scan. So as a result, I didn't have any loyalty to a particular hospital or technologist. Clearly, I found, you know, 50% variance from something like, oh, no, sorry, I'm wrong on 50% variance. The low quote I got was $1,700. The high quote I got was $4,500. And, you know, you know, of course, this is quite unsettling. I have insurance. Uh, by that same token, I asked whether or not I could access the $1,700 price point. The answer given to me was no, because that is only for persons who have no insurance. So the idea that, uh, you know, Miss LeBlanc, Mr. Harvey on this coronavirus, you know, exam that they would face wildly different prices, this actually is common. Okay, this is very, very common. Let's just continue on here. Um, we will get to some other things, statements in this article. And what it happens is that, and here's one thing that it said that, you know, More examples about the fact that two pregnant persons, that one person had a much higher bill because the anesthesiologist that happened to be called in was out of the network of the person's private insurance and therefore was billed a much higher number as opposed to her friend who also uh, had the same, you know, was delivering a, a baby and the anesthesiologist for the epidural there was in network therefore the hospital bill was far lower again similar kind of thing very similar results very similar to the coronavirus example in this article how does this happen well this happens because things are very opaque meaning that you know we don't get a look at the negotiated price between the hospital and every insurance company. So let's call it, you know, let's call it General Hospital of, you know, Acme, Acme. It negotiates a different price with all the insurance companies that it carries or that it accepts. So they've negotiated with insurance company 1, insurance company number 2, insurance company number 3. So MRI or all the services around MRI and diagnostics. Let's just call it that. Okay, so just the just the scan itself as well as having it read. So those two are two separate services and there are two different negotiated prices across all of the different providers. That's the way that the bills occur. Now, you what you have here is in this new york times article is a specific one just happens to be talking about coronavirus nevertheless the fact of the matter is you can find this on you know orthopedic surgery every single thing that every single healthcare service you get this is what happens now is there something you could have done to avoid it i guess you could have been me and called around It turned out that the person who originally prescribed it, sent, was suggesting hospital number one, if you will. And hospital number one happened to be lowest price, so I went and stayed with the original order. But can you do this? Yeah, you can. Can you do this under duress, practically? Mm, Probably not. So now let's just go to coronavirus. So yes, with surprise medical bills and obviously, you know, the need for testing and the, you know, heightened sense of worry about p- p- the general public health. Let's just combine that with what had been happening in al- already prior to coronavirus. So the quote here from the uh, let's go back to the New York Times article. The Trump administration has taken steps to limit patients' out-of-pocket costs for coronavirus testing and treatment, using relief funds to reimburse providers for uninsured patients' bills. Insurers are required to cover patients' coronavirus tests with no cost-sharing or co-payments. Alex Azar, the Health and Human Services Secretary, reiterated that commitment in a Sunday interview on CNN, saying, quote, if you are uninsured, it will be covered by us, end quote. The article continues, the testing experience of the Texas group suggests that it doesn't always work out that way. Some emergency rooms charge cash prices and tack on testing fees that insurance insurers are not required to cover. In this case, the patient who paid cash actually got the best deal. Mr. Harvey has health insurance but felt it would be a hassle for, to use it for the coronavirus test. Actually, that's not correct. The reality is, is that if you have health insurance... You have no choice, apparently, but to tell the truth and to tell them that you have health insurance and be charged the health insurance negotiated price. So you can see how complicated it is. Even this journalist has this, you know, specific detail incorrect. So let's continue on with the article. So it quotes it. The article says Mr. Michelle Tribble, a spokesman for the emergency center, said it only it needed to charge high prices because insurers often pay only a fair a small share of their fees. Okay. Let's just continue on. Quote For emergency room visits, the reimbursement to us by insurance companies is typically a fifth or a third of total charges. She said, if an insurance company were to bill a patient for an out-of-network visit to our emergency room, our billing company would go to bat for that patient and would appeal on their behalf, end quote. Okay. Th- this, this is full of omissions here. So, Ms. Tribble, you are a recipient of See Me After Class. Absolutely. Because your response, while not wrong, isn't really addressing the question. What Ms. Tribble should be asked is, okay, break down for me what the break-even cost is, and then tell me what the relationship between the cost and the charge is. Okay? So you can see she's not telling an untruth. Yes, insurers often pay only a small share of their fees, yeah, but the fees aren't related to their cost. There's cost of labor, there's cost of materials, there's cost of, you know, some part of technology, making it difficult to actually tell what the actual cost is. That's the problem with healthcare. That's the problem. Right? It is not it is not that, you know, the sticker prices. It it's kind of like, you know, you know, MSRP and car you know this reference price kind of hangs out there right what's the difference here well the difference here is that you know so you just have a starting point from which to base it the issue is that healthcare is so opaque and it's opaque for real reasons right i mean it's just difficult to tell you don't know you know how much it costs to keep the lights on at the hospital the materials the labor that was used to to you know deliver your services etc etc you know you you don't get this in car manufacturing do you well you can because there are specific physical parts Nevertheless, you know, there's also additional, right? You're, you know, w- when you're buying a car, you're paying for healthcare benefits, you know, very, very high quality healthcare benefits at the UAW hourly. Okay, that's a fact. Well, so are you going to be able to pick it apart and, to that degree in a car? No, you're not going to be able to. This is just not practical. It just so happens that, you know, in this particular situation and under healthcare, the same thing, people don't really blink in the car example. People go up in arms when it comes to health care. So this is just the article here. You know, you shouldn't be too surprised about the fact that there are surprise medical bills have there been movements and legislature to try to change it? Yes. Have anyone agreed? I think that there's agreement on the fact that this needs to be done, but actually implementing it is, you know, the subject of, you know, fierce debate. It will continue to be fierce debate in our very segmented, splintered country on every topic. You know, what I find, you know, very hypocritical by certain doctors groups is to say, you know, we can't allow this kind of arbitration matter. Well, because, you know, say, and then crazily putting hashtags, you know, patience over profits. Okay, if you were really, really patience over profits, you would accept the lowest payment rate as prescribed by as negotiated by any insurance company. How's that? Or you would all join every single network. So there's no such thing as an out-of-network charge. How's that? Okay. You see what I'm saying? In other words, yeah, it looks and feels like I've put on my white white coat and said patience over profits, and I seem like I'm all altruistic. Yet, are they willing to take that same measure and you know actually practically do the thing that would create the health care at the lowest possible cost? Eh, not really. And don't get me wrong, people who think that I'm a hater and the hate goes to, towards doctors, quick reminder, I grew up in medical household. And without which, mm, college education for me and my two younger sisters, both who have outstripped me by a long distance, impossible. Let me address on how this hand- is get handled under Medicare. Okay, and surprise medical bills generally. This shouldn't really happen is your bottom line. Let's just take the first example being Medigap. If you have original Medicare and Medigap, then the hospital bill is paid. You have to have met the Part B deductible because you could have received a service which is coded as a Part B service. Okay, so this can happen. But... What ends up happening is if you've met the Part B deductible and under most of the Medigap plans, only K and L are different, then all of your bills, Part B and Part A, are paid by Medigap in full. Okay. Note the exception there is the Part B excess charge. It is possible that if, for example, you are sent out and are actually coded as a Part B service, that they could charge the 15%, which is the part B excess charge. You can listen to other podcasts and YouTube videos about this topic. That is possible. Under Medicare Advantage, this is not possible because each of these individual, you know, services you provide, let's say you get a you get a list from the hospital of and let's just call it seven services. Each will have its own separate copay. Okay, so, and it will be agreed upon by the Medicare Advantage carrier and the particular hospital. Now, inside of Medicare Advantage, there's in network and out of network. And on those, depending on the plan that you have, again, again, it will be a negotiated amount. And so each line item will be able to prevent you from receiving a bill which looks like some random number it will be a pre-specified number now under certain insurance under the out of network you know provider you could be charged coinsurance which is not a fixed dollar amount but a fixed percentage of the total charge of the total charge okay even then even then if you're an out of network and you let's for example let's say you have a PPO then you have an out-of-pocket maximum and you know I get this question on occasion once you've hit the annual out-of-pocket maximum then your costs are zero under HMO the unfortunate fact is that if you have a service or a line item here which goes to an out-of-network provider then you could be in theory charged the entire amount in this segment what we're going to do is we're going to talk about medicare part a and what i'm going to do here is talk about not what you know is commonly known but instead what is not commonly known okay so part a is of zero premium to most the effective date is the first day of the month you turn 65 years old the premium for most people is 0 and the reason it's 0 is because you have paid the medicare tax which is part of the payroll taxes that you get taken out of your paycheck you need to have paid for 10 years okay the official language is qcs or quarters of coverage okay so if you have you or your spouse have worked for 40 quarters of coverage, then Part A has no premium. If for whatever reason you don't, you or your spouse have not worked for the 40 quarters of coverage, then you can purchase Part A and give you some insight on the cost. If you have not worked for 30 quarters, then your premium is $458 a month If you've worked between 30 and 39 quarters, you would pay $229 per month. Okay? So that's the cost of Part A. Now, what does Part A cover? Part A covers inpatient hospitalization, inpatient hospitalization, not out a patient at a hospital. Not out of, okay? So it is very specific to inpatient hospitalization. And from there, you are charged a deductible, okay? And in 2020, you know, and these deductibles are high. I'm not gonna kid you, right? The deductible is quite high. In 2020, the Part A deductible is $1,408 per benefit period. Now, this is the key point here. Benefit period should not be understood as calendar year. It is not a calendar year. It is benefit period, which has to do with what I call the way to interpret this is medical event. Okay. So, if you get hospitalized for reason A, and then Three months later, you go for reason B. That's a different benefit period, meaning a different deductible. There are an unlimited number of benefit periods that you could be exposed to in a calendar year. This is an important distinction of Part A. From there, what people don't understand is that, you know, under most situations, from there, once meeting the Part A deductible, you know, then... It becomes far more clear, which is, you know, the first 60 days cost zero. Now, under Medicare Advantage, this is handled differently, right? Because Medicare Advantage has taken over the entirety. It may cost you a copay per day. And in fact, this is usually the structure. You don't find percentages a day for inpatient hospitalization. What you find is $150 a day, $225 per day okay for the first five days in some cases seven days in other cases those are the two general ways they work out under medigap this is paid by every plan in full except for k and l part a also covers other things in addition to hospital stay which is it it pays for skilled nursing facility stay or home health care services which follow an inpatient hospital stay. And this is the important part here, because the skilled nursing facility care stay, you know, is paid for the first 20 days cost zero. However, you must meet two criteria. The first criteria is you must be in the hospital as an inpatient admission that lasts for at least three days. And by days, what that means is you cross the midnight hour three different midnights. Then and only then is skilled nursing facility care at zero cost for the first 20 days. Okay, so two day inpatient stay does not count, six day outpatient stay does not count, right? So it looks like one criteria, it's actually two. Both three day, and inpatient must be satisfied under medigap this is not an issue because the fact of the matter is that this is still covered by part a and if you've met these criteria then medigap pays in full right and this pays in full all the way through a hundred days so not only the first 20 days which cost zero under the federal card but days 21 through 100 are at zero cost For those persons who are waiting for Medicare and waiting to have, for example, a joint replacement surgery, you can see that Medigap then would be basically at zero cost if you have an inpatient hospital stay. That's true. Under Medicare Advantage, slightly different. Because in addition to the inpatient copay, let's just call it $200 a day, for the first seven days, let's say, so you pay $600, and then you have skilled nursing facility stay. Well, either that or the home health care for rehab, let's say the rehabilitation occurs at your home, that would also count here. Under this, you can expect a copay or not. And by or not, what I mean is, again, as similar to what I said a few minutes ago, The Medicare Advantage Carrier is determining the price of the skilled nursing facility care. Okay, so it could be $50 a day. It could be $100 a day. Now, it could be zero. It could be zero for the first 20 days as well. It could be. It could be any range of these numbers. People ask, well... Original Medicare pays zero. How does my Medicare Advantage plan cost money? So in the geeky corner here, we got geeky corner of Medicare. What you have is the fact that Medicare Advantage must be superior to original Medicare on average. But on average does not mean that every single line item under Medicare Advantage needs to be superior to that of original Medicare. So let me repeat that. That since it's on average, that every single line item of Medicare Advantage does not need to be superior to original Medicare. That is true. That is also true. Nevertheless, as we talk about coronavirus, right? You would have a very less volatile situation than you did as described in this New York Times article. You would have a very, very different situation. Because if you are hospitalized, if you are hospitalized and you have met a gap, you're covered. You're covered. Why? Because... the inpatient stay is covered by part A. In addition to that, if you are administered remdesivir, you are covered under Medigap in full. Okay, so I promise you over the next couple of months, I will get this call from Medigap clients and they'll call me and say, I got this weird bill. It says this, I'll be able to say, okay, this looks like a billing error, go back. Under Medicare Advantage, Again, in the same way that I just described two minutes ago, this is determined by the carrier. So what's going to happen is that Medicare Advantage carriers shouldn't be able to charge you for your inpatient hospital stay, including this $200 a day stay, not if for coronavirus. This has come down from the federal government. None of my Medicare Advantage clients have called me. Okay, so that's my first thing. So I don't have exactly, you know, whether or not people are getting this bill. I do know you're not supposed to get the bill. However, the distinction between Medicare Advantage and Medigap now becomes, you know, more clear if for example there's something not related to coronavirus once in the hospital. Let's say for example you're in the hospital and you're a person with other complications and they go and treat those other complications. Those could be subject to the Medicare Advantage copay or co-insurance schedule. That is entirely conceivable that would not have been possible under Medigap because Medigap just blanket covers everything. Under Medicare Advantage, however, could you get individual line items for those costs which are not for direct testing or direct treatment of coronavirus? The answer to that can be yes. The answer to that is entirely possible to be yes. So what we're going to have is, oh, gee, you didn't tell me about this. No, it's meaning that for direct coronavirus treatment that's going to be zero under medicare advantage under something that is not specifically coronavirus related however that is different and then the medicare advantage carrier and hospital may have an agreed upon price and you would be charged either the coinsurance x percent let's call it 20 percent. Or you could be charged for a particular diagnostic test, which wasn't directly coronavirus related. One last point about Medicare Part A, which is that you will know in many communities what will happen is you're in a small in any suburb or if you're in a smaller town, you will see something which looks like the hospital name, you know, Hospital A, you know, patient clinic outpatient clinic. So it may look and feel like a hospital setting, but it's not. And basically what can happen here is in outpatient setting, the different charges, meaning you would be subject to the Part B deductible as well as the 20% that original Medicare doesn't pay. Under Medigap, again, your costs are zero after meeting the Part B deductible. Under Medicare Advantage, however, you again are subject to the individual charges or coinsurance as specified by your Medicare Advantage plan. The reason I bring this up is that the trend, you know, and you can see it in every community, this will not be a secret and I'm not reporting news to you, and I don't think this trend is going to stop, which is many situations, many treatments that you receive are moving from... Inpatient to outpatient, meaning that you're covered differently, not under Medicare Part A, but instead under Medicare Part B. That's all I've got today. Please subscribe to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast on Apple Podcast, and please, we don't have enough reviews. And of course, I'm not going to please everyone, so our ratings aren't high enough, so people don't discover it as much as they should. That's the bottom line, so please go and do that. If you have questions, go to the website of the book, MaximizeYourMedicare.com. There's a button there, you can click hashtag Ask Send me your private questions. I'd be happy to answer your first questions here within the 24-hour period. Last point, we've got more in-depth information about Medicare and much more than Medicare on the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube. Find the Maximize Your Medicare channel, subscribe there, and be sure to like the videos and post your questions or comments. As always, thank you very much for listening to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. Speak with you next time.